0: Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 1 and Job chapter 9. John chapter 1 and Job chapter 9. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus Christ has come? And He's coming again. That's our hope. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll start. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You so much for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, and then to die on a cross... For our sin, because He had none. Then that He was buried for three days and three nights, and then He rose from the dead, proving that He was, is, and always will be God. Lord, that's what we celebrate on this day. And Lord, we know that You were not born on December 25th, but this is a day that we have chosen to remember Your birth. Lord Jesus, thank You so much for coming. In Jesus' name, amen. John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Look at verse 9. That, Jesus, was the true light... And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to speak to you this morning on the only begotten, the only begotten. Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. He is the only one, the only begotten Son of God. And as you read through commentaries and you read statements, people will say, one and only, one and only. But that doesn't make any sense. The idea that He's the one and only Son does not make sense. Look at verse 12. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the what? So if everybody who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ can become a Son of God, then Jesus Christ is not the one and only Son of God. Is that right? He is the only begotten Son of God. And that is such an important part of what we celebrate at Christmas time. So, what I want to do is I want to go through several passages and talk about this concept of Jesus Christ being the only begotten. So, look at verse 14 again. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So here we have the only begotten in verse 14 is talking about when Jesus Christ became a man. And look at the way it says it. The word was, what does it say? Made flesh. flesh. The word was made flesh. What's interesting is John takes five words to describe what Luke took 2,500 words to describe. And he he just compacted it Into a simple statement, the word was made flesh. And this is very important. Sometimes people will say Jesus Christ became flesh. Jesus Christ became flesh. No, no, no. Jesus Christ never became flesh. He was made flesh. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5, Jesus speaking to the Father, he said, Thou hast prepared for me a body. There was a body prepared for Jesus Christ. Why? Keep your place here in John. Go back with me to the book of Job. Job chapter 9 and verse 30. This was Job's understanding of God. Job chapter 9, verse 30. If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall abhor me. Now look at what he's speaking of God. For he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both there wasn't any there was no man there was no way that man could understand who god was because god was not a man that was job's understanding of god look at what it says in verse 34 let him take away let him take his rod away from me and let not his fear terrify me then would i speak and not fear him look but it is not so With me. You see, we have experienced the birth of Jesus Christ as a man. Remember what the Bible says For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The son wasn't born, the son was given. The child was born, the body was prepared for him. It's so important that we see the reason that the virgin birth was so important. The reason, back in John chapter 1, verse 14, And and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word was made flesh. Remember what the angel said to Mary? This holy thing that is in you, this holy thing. Why is that important? Because the God of glory, the Creator of the world, Entered into His creation, born of a woman, made of a woman. Keep your place here in in John. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, what does that mean, the fullness of the time? If Jesus Christ had been born a hundred years earlier or a hundred years later, we probably never would have heard of Him. He was born during the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, where the the Romans, they had brought peace to the land. And not only did, did they bring peace to the land, they established the Roman roads to where the gospel could be spread all over that region in relative safety as they traveled those roads. And not only that, but the Romans allowed the people to worship, have their own religions in their own areas. That specific time, the fullness of the time, God knew exactly when Jesus Christ needed to be born. All right, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son. Did God create His Son right there? No. No. Did Jesus Christ begin here? No. He was sent forth. God sent forth. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son. Look at what it says. Made of a woman, made under the law. So Jesus Christ's physical body, while the virgin birth was supernatural. Would you all agree with that? The virgin birth was supernatural. After the conception, Jesus Christ, His development was just like any other man. Made of woman. Made under the law. Jesus Christ came. Go back to John chapter 1. This concept of Jesus Christ having a body, this only begotten Son, why is that important? And here's what it comes down to. Jesus Christ is the only Son of God born in the flesh. Jesus Christ was the only Son of God born in the flesh. Look at verse 13. Which were born, this is look, verse 12, I guess, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Look, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, we are sons of God when we are born again, when we're born spiritually. Let me ask you a very difficult question. How many of you here were born? Okay, that's how you came into the world. You were born. And there's biblical math. If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. So Jesus Christ came and was born as a man, as the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is the only physical, fleshly Son that God the Father ever did have or ever will have. We are not born again physically, we are born spiritually. And that's why we take such care at a Christian funeral. When you die, your body goes into the ground. But one day Jesus Christ is going to come and that same body is going to rise from the dead and it's going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump and everything will be made new. And here's what's wonderful. We are going to become like him. That can only happen because Jesus Christ came as the only begotten son of God in the flesh. So this first verse right here, this the significance of John 1 14 is that God Himself entered into His creation and took on flesh and bones, so that He could be pierceable and beatable and whippable. That's why He came, so that a body could be nailed to the cross, so that Jesus Christ could die on the cross. That holy thing that God created was the only begotten son of God. Look at verse 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. So not only did Jesus Christ come to take on a body so that he could die on the cross, he came to show us the father. Remember the problem that Job had. He really didn't know who God was. He was able to understand as much as God had revealed at that point. But remember what the Bible says in Hebrews. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Isn't that awesome? The Bible talks about Him being the express image of His person. Jesus Christ reflected the Father. Remember the disciples said, show us the Father. And He said, have I been with you so long and still you don't know if you've seen Me? You have seen the Father. Jesus Christ came to declare the Father in a way that no other person could ever do it. Why? Because He was God. He was God who took on flesh and bones. Verse 18 again, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Here's what's so wonderful about it Jesus Christ is omnipresent. Jesus Christ can be with them and in the bosom of the Father at the same time. There's no angel that's omnipresent. Satan is not omnipresent. There's no demon that's omnipresent. No one is omnipresent. There's no man that's omnipresent. It's only the Son of God God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're omnipresent. Isn't it wonderful? That's the God that we worship. And by omnipresent, I mean they can be everywhere at once. And here's the cool thing about that. If I were in more place than one, that would diminish me. All right? I'd say I'm not half the man I used to be, right? Because <laughs> I'm half in different places. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit can be in different places without any diminishing of their character, their nature, their power, their authority. That's our God. That's the God that we worship. Jesus Christ was able to be in the bosom of the Father and here on earth, dying on the cross at the same time. It's an amazing thing. So not only the only begotten Son, He came to take on flesh and bones, He also came to show us the Father. How does that work? The Bible says, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, go back to John 17. John 17. The words of the Bible are so precise. It really is a beautiful thing. Remember what it says. We beheld His glory. The glory as of of the only begotten of the Father. Why? Because that's all the glory that we could handle. Look at what the Bible says in John 17. Jesus Christ is getting ready to go to the cross. And He said, I have, verse 4, I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou Me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. Jesus Christ is the glory of God. Who being the brightness, Hebrews chapter 1, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. That's the way the Bible describes Jesus Christ. What I love, go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, remember what it said in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Doesn't that take you all the way back to the creation? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit moved on the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And glorious light entered into the creation that came from God Himself. Into the darkness of this fallen world, when Jesus Christ came, He brought the light of the glory of God in his person. But we couldn't see it all. We couldn't see it all. And then Jesus Christ died. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father. And where is that light right now? Where is it? Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. What's the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. It's our job to tell it to people. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom, that's the lost, the God of this world, that's Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Does that sound like anything that I just said? The Bible is so consistent in these terms, this terminology. But look at what it says in verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But where is that light now? Verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What is this saying? When we get saved, Jesus Christ comes to dwell in us. That light, the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus Christ that's in in, in the face of Jesus Christ, that is in us. It is in us when we're born again. Anybody saved here today? You know Jesus Christ is your Savior? That light, the light that we sing about at Christmas time, the light of the world is Jesus, that light is dwelling in us. And if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. People are dying and going to hell. And we have the light. We have the answer. Why? Because Jesus Christ came as the only begotten Son, and He took on flesh and bones so that He could die on the cross for us. But not only that, He came so that He could declare the Father, so He could show us who God is, so that we're not lost. We can know what the truth is. What are we supposed to do with that light? Go to John chapter 3. The only begotten. John chapter 3. Some of you may know this verse. Look at verse 16 with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His what? His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus Christ came. He took on flesh and bones as the only begotten Son. And then He declared the Father as the only begotten Son of God. And now what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to believe in Him. We're supposed to believe. Anybody believe in Jesus Christ? You believe in His death, burial, and resurrection? You believe that He's the only way to heaven? One of the problems that we have, because we live in a religious community, and I'm thankful for that. I was talking in the Sunday school hour about, can you imagine if somebody tried to take the nativity out of the square in Sydney? It's just, we, we live in a religious community, and that's good. But one of the hard things about living in a religious community is sometimes it's hard for people to understand what salvation actually is. Salvation is not being born into an earthly family. It's being born into a heavenly family. Salvation is not something that takes a long time. Are any of you ladies glad that the birth of your children didn't take 20 years? How many of you are thankful for that? And all the ladies said, Amen. Amen. It's really important that we get this. Just as your physical birth didn't take years, neither does your salvation, your new birth. Salvation, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That takes place in a moment, in a moment. It's an exchange. It's where I take my sin and I give that to Jesus. And Jesus Christ, in exchange for my sin, gives me eternal life. Jesus Christ gives me a new nature. Jesus Christ gives me eternal life. He gives me a relationship. And not only that, I am baptized by the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ so that I am a part of Him now. What a wonderful thing. That's what happens when you believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. There are many gods in the world, but there's only one true God. There are many gods in the world. There are many lords. But the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. What? Where? Where? Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That's everywhere. So everything that claims to be a god, everything that wants to be worshipped, one day will bow before the one true Lord. And who is that? The only begotten Son of God. We must believe in him. Why? Because we are condemned already. It's not that we're going to be condemned. It's that we are condemned already. Look at John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now, does that mean that everybody is saved because Jesus Christ came? No, look at the next verse. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And we believe in him for salvation, or we do not believe in him. Now listen, very important. By not believing in him, that's not saying that someday you're going to be condemned. You're already condemned. I was condemned, and then Jesus Christ saved me. I believed in Him. I believed in Him, and He gave me eternal life. You know what that means? I can't be condemned. I can't be condemned. I don't keep my salvation. He keeps it. Look at what it says in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have temporary life. What does it say? What do you think everlasting means? No, it means until you sin again. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. There is no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk after, not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I am so thankful that there is no condemnation because I am in Christ Jesus. Does that make me better than you? No, no, no. No, that makes me someone for whom Jesus Christ died. I've received that free gift of eternal life and I want you to receive it as well. is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know, there are people who have heard the truth all of their lives and they reject Jesus Christ. Do you know why? They don't want anyone to tell them what to do. Why? Because their deeds are evil. I want to think this way. I want to behave this way. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. And you know what? Jesus Christ will let you do that. I heard an old preacher say a long time ago, God greases the skids in the way you are going. If you want to believe Him, He'll help you. If you want to reject Him, He'll help you. You see, heaven and hell are corresponding opposites. Heaven is wonderful because God is there. Hell is awful because God's not there. And those of you who are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ because your deeds are evil, you're wicked, you're a pagan, you're evil, and you want to remain evil. You want to reject the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God will let you. And what you will have in eternity is exactly what you want. A complete absence of righteousness and good. And all that's there is evil and destruction. Because all every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no darkness nor shadow of turning. The brightness, the glory, the goodness, the grace, the mercy, the kindness... The righteousness and holiness that only comes from God. You can have that. Or you can have what you want. And that's darkness. And the Bible describes hell as the blackness of darkness forever. Hey, lights come into the world. You can receive the light. Or you can keep going the way that you are. You can keep rejecting the truth of the word of God. You can keep doing that. You can love your sin and love your evil and love your intellect and love your atheism and love all of that. And God will let you. He will not make you receive Him. He will not turn you into a slave, a captive. He won't do any of that. You are already a captive of Satan's will. You know what God wants to give you? Life. He wants to give you light. Believe in Him. Believe in Him. If you are so addicted to your physical desires and your evil and your sin, God will let you live in that wickedness forever. Or He'll give you righteousness. He'll give you a new name. He'll give you a new home. He'll give you a new family. He'll give you a new nation. He'll give you all of it. I remember when Frank Turek said to Christopher Hitchens, Christopher, after reading your book, I think if God said you could have sex with whoever you want to, you'd believe. You see, there's a reason people won't believe. It's because they love their sin. Look what the Bible says. Verse 19, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Jesus Christ made the light shine. Jesus Christ came so that we could see. Jesus Christ came so that we could have eternal life. That's what Christmas is about. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you haven't and you're rejecting Him, I hope that you are under the full weight of the conviction and condemnation of God as you sit here. I hope that you can see and feel and experience the heat of eternal hell right here. I hope that you're experiencing that. I hope you can't sleep tonight or forever until Jesus Christ pierces through your stubbornness and you come to know Him as your Savior. Why? Because I care about your eternity. I care about your soul. Jesus Christ loved you so much. He would have died on the cross if you were the only person in the world. That's how much He loves you. We love you. Do you know Jesus is your Savior? You need to be saved. Anybody here that's saved and you're thankful that Jesus Christ showed you the light? You have that light in you. Don't let the Christmas season go by without telling somebody about it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, You are so good to us and gracious.